Coming up, this podcast is rated R, as in really raunchy, ridiculous, random fun. That's three R's, but whatever. We're going to talk about the rating system in the first R-rated movie we snuck into and stuff. Enjoy. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey there, listener. Welcome to episode 127 of the Magnificent Huge Podcast. This is Chris, and this week, along with Eric and Brian, we're going to dive into R-rated movies and PG-13 movies and G-rate. Well, we're going to talk about ratings, and what spurred this was uh, we were thinking about what was the first R-rated movie we ever saw as young, impressionable children who probably shouldn't have been watching R-rated movies. That was back in the late 70s, early 80s, when uh, it was sort of a prestige thing to watch an R-rated movie because it had extra stuff that you couldn't get from the Disney crap that you normally got saddled with. Uh, So we're talking like nudity, profanity, lots of violence, all the good stuff that make movies memorable, and yet we were not allowed to watch them. So we had to sneak into theaters. We had to wait until late at night on cable on like Skinamax to catch these things. And hell, the VCR revolution sort of kick-started back when we were kids, and so we uh, enjoyed the fruits of that. So uh, R-rated movies, are they really prestigious anymore for uh, kids? Is that like a thing? Do they really wear that as a status symbol? Uh, we're going to discuss, but also how flagrantly flawed the rating system really is. And stuff that should be R is not, and stuff that is is not. PG, I mean, it's convoluted and it's dumb, and that's what we're going to talk about. But really, I just wanted to talk about uh, the first R-rated movie I ever saw, and you'll find out what that is, and it's it's so good. Anyway, uh, if you've got a story about the first time you saw an R-rated movie, hey, send us an email, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We are more than happy to hear that story, laugh with you about it, even rate it uh, ourselves and talk about it on the next program. Uh, but you can also head on over to our feeds. We're on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, uh, where you can like the show, follow along, give it a listen. We are more than happy to uh, have you aboard there. Go to our Twitter feed, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, so that's at Mag Huge, Magnificent Huge, and, uh, well, whatever's on Instagram. Anyway, uh, that's where you can find our show. Please like us, follow us, share us with your friends and family, because uh, we're just trying to build a community here, have some fun, make you all laugh, and uh, learn a little something about ourselves along the way. Lastly, you can catch us on our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Rated R, coming up next. Thanks for listening. And we're back. Hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> this is the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Man. where we're very mellow on a Sunday morning. Yes, we're very subdued. Very. I've, I've been doing housework all morning. The sounds of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Uh, yes. Yeah. Man, our <laughs> intros just, they always need lots and lots and lots and lots of We've work. moved our recording times from, you know... Wednesday nights when we're awake to Sunday pre noon when yeah, I have really. not gotten up. Yeah, yeah. Eric has <laughs> always been a night person, and so nights work for him. Whereas Brian <laughs> and I, I have a feeling, are more uh, not good with 
nights. My stupid body won't let me sleep past <laughs> 6 a.m. Exactly. So, not yeah. going to happen. It's good stuff. So, yeah, welcome to another rousing show. So, um, before we uh, uh, started recording, I understand you you kids were talking about the, the new coronavirus. Were we? I, I heard I something mean, about Because you I, know that I was just uh, talking hand about sanitizer, how I'm to get sick. hand yeah. sanitizer doesn't work for this. Well, you got even better. You got to drink it. That's the thing. That's what nobody tells you. Uh, yeah, it's well, called hand so here, sanitizer, but yeah, you have to actually physically ingest it. Yeah. Here's here's what we're actually talking about, right? Is um, next the next episode of the Magnificent the Huge podcast is going to be a weird one because it'll be just me and Eric, like on iPhones or something, uh, talking about this boat we're going to be on. And I'm tripping because if you've got any sort of cold symptoms or whatever, they're not going to let me on that boat. And I've got to go to like a birthday party with six year olds today, and I'm freaking out because I don't want to get sick. <laughs> don't touch any so, of them. Don't yeah. touch any of them. <laughs> yeah, like it's you're not coronavirus. I don't want a cold. Yeah, but you need to just take it like a tape measure and stick it out to six feet and go. All right, you're good. Don't get anywhere in that circle, and you're fine. Yeah. Don't yeah. touch yeah. me. Don't touch me. Yeah. I really do now wish we'd have started that punk band because if we did, that's the perfect album name. It would be Coronavirus and Lyme Disease. <laughs> I mean, you still could. You still could, right? I guess. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. So yeah. So I will. Uh, I'll have a good week off uh, where I don't have to do anything, and you can do all the heavy lifting. So thanks, guys. Yeah. Yo. Oh, and and for reference, the names of the people. Uh, the, the people who will be on the boat, I am Brian and I will be on the boat. Uh, I'm Eric. I'll be on the boat as well at the same time also. <laughs> and this is Chris and I'll be, uh, not on the boat doing other stuff. Right. So, yeah. So after next podcast, all, all the other shows will just be Chris cause Eric and I will be quarantined <laughs> and will not be able to leave <laughs> <Yeah>. the boat. <laughs> or one of you will have, one of you will just randomly fall off the boat and never be heard from again. Uh, so, yeah. That was the plan all along, wasn't it, Eric? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. apparently if you, if you watch these true crime shows on Netflix, you can easily push somebody off of a boat and get away with it. So uh, I'll wait to see well, which then. one of you actually returns, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, mm. I'm on a boat, yo. I've already boat. had that conversation with my wife where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I see what's going on here. I've told you before that my preferred method of burial would be at sea and then you're like want to go on a cruise <laughs> yeah that's awesome so yeah i hope you guys have lots and lots and lots of fun uh without me <laughs> as we always as you do. always do it's evident yes. every time we do one of these shows that yes you are both having way more fun than i am uh so yeah yeah that usually becomes obvious when we do the fresh shit this shit is fresh. Oh, I was waiting he for said it. it. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. Let's see. Uh, eeny, meeny, minor, mo- uh, fuck it. Brian, you get a go. Okay. Um, finished uh, season series two of The End of the Fucking World. Okay. Um, Good stuff. Uh, Bingy, bingy, bingy. Did you like it as much as the first season? I mean, I see what you were saying about it being more about regret, you know? Right. Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was a blast. The the woman who plays Alyssa uh, is is just fantastic at right. this, like, 
absolutely, you know, stone-faced brick wall of a character. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who's very acerbic. It's just... Yeah. It's... I mean, just even not being in the actual realm of the characters there, you still feel like she's cut you to the quick, even though you're just an audience member. It's that kind of vibe. Yeah, but but for whatever reason, she doesn't, like, bug me as much. I don't know if it's the setting, because one of the things about that show is it's, like, it's not set in any particular time, right? Like, it it kind of looks like a period piece and that most of the technology, and you know, is, like, corded phones and everything is kind of dated and grungy looking like it's it's like i think that's called england yeah it's like it's like the year 2000 but nobody (laughs) updated anything since the 80s except for the police car um which is a modern car i don't know but anyway okay um definitely recommend it uh i think it's i think it's a blast to watch both seasons of end of the fucking world on netflix yeah now yeah i liked on netflix yeah. Um, so my movie, I decided to go highbrow for my movie oh, uh, this week, and I went and saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, don't go highbrow. Sounds it like it an, sucks. Sounds like a, an art film. It It's this French movie that somehow managed to make sex, drugs, and lesbians boring. Like, really boring. <laughs> then that really sounds like an art film. Oh god. <laughs> See that title makes it sound like a grindhouse. Yeah, it is it because is that's not... yeah, that's a novel, uh Portrait of a Lady. But then you add in on, on fire. fire on fire. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, <laughs> well, yeah, but can you imagine like like rolling that out to all these uh Austin adaptations coming out? Emma on fire. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice <laughs> on and fire. zombies on yeah. fire. I don't know if you've seen any of the promotional materials for this, but the two lead actresses are distractingly similar looking to more famous people. Uh, so it, <laughs> they look like yeah, I hate it's um, Hermione Granger and Emily Blunt, um, but they're not. These are like their stunt doubles it's or like something. A, yeah, it's like the girl that's in uh, Hide and Seek. Uh, what was it? Ready or Not, the Hide and Seek movie. Uh, yeah. Looks like yeah. Margot Robbie. Look- Looks exactly yes. Who and I it's found like out, that because I watched that recently. I found out that she's actually the niece of Hugo Weaving. Uh, really? But, yeah, but doesn't look anything like him, which is weird. So it's all those Australian genes, I guess. I guess. But then if you look at uh, like the recent It, the part one, the the actress that plays the girl looks exactly mm-hmm. like Amy Adams, and it really bothers me when I watch this. I'm like, why is Amy Adams seventeen? It's just freaking. So, yeah. And why didn't they cast Amy Adams as the adult version? <laughs> yes, of her? exactly, anyway. exactly. So yeah. Now uh, I want them uh, to make some grindhouse movie with the stunt doubles for these famous actresses. This is such a fucking brilliant idea. <laughs> Add it to the pile. Yeah. So Portrait of a Lady on Fire starts by saying that it won the award at Cannes for the best screenplay, and all I can say is, oh my god, the other ones were worse. <laughs> well, is this, this is just the most boring ass thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, the the, it, palm, it, the palm the or what they call it. Yeah. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't win the palm the or, but it was. I guess it got best screenplay for at com. But so you know, you ever go like to a cabin in the country, or, or you know, you basically get away from all, and you're and you're someplace quaint where there really isn't electricity or traffic or anything. It's all very quiet, and everything is lit with candles. And no, you ever, no, you ever, you never done. No, that, I like, haven't get away experienced with, from it all. this. 
Yeah. Well, if you watch this movie, you'll experience it because oh. it's like that. Like everything is lit by candles and it's very, very quiet and there's no music pretty much except for when there's music that's in the, you know, diegetically in the scene. Um, and it's just people talking. But the thing is, you're supposed to buy that these two women are falling in love, except that there is absolutely nothing that happens in this movie that remotely looks or feels like they are getting to know each other or flirting or anything in close to falling in love. So it just does not connect in any way, shape, or form. How long is this movie? Um, 14 years long. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> You're know. still it, watching it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it just would not end. Uh, and then they even make this mistake at the end. It's like, I saw her one more time, and it's her seeing a, a painting of her. And then the next scene is, and I saw her one more time. And, and we're like, oh, no. Oh, God, this is never going to end. They're just going to keep doing that. Yeah. Like Return of the King with the five different endings, that kind of thing. Swear to God. It would have been great if you just said, actually, I lied. See, I've seen her two more times. I can't say I've seen her one more time and then say I've seen her one more time because numbers <laughs> yeah, mean really. things like they have the scene okay seriously this is the penultimate time that i will see yeah. her i can i swear <laughs> psych psych no next time will yeah. be penultimate <laughs> no, but i got no. one more because you know remotely any sexiness that they might have put in this movie with the whole lesbian thing is ruined by the fact that they do drugs by rubbing them in their hairy armpits that's a thing um i don't know what drug this is but it seems like drugs? they're doing it wrong Wow. Um, I feel, and then I feel like it's also peyote. a bunch of scenes around an 18th century abortion uh, with the the maid <laughs> no. who needs an abortion, and they're doing all of these like weird things to try to get her to miscarry. That is an so album title, you know sir, good right times. There. That is an album 18th title. century abortion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> on fire. <laughs> on fire. <laughs> this movie should be lit on fire. It uh, sucks. Okay. So did you just like throw a dart at the wall? With a list of items, and this was the one it hit. Are you? No, just... we really wanted to see it. Like okay. we'd seen the trailers, we'd heard it, got good reviews, and like everything else looked lame. And we're like, okay, let's go see it. It's finally showing, and the and yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I f no. I feel like you're continuing your trend this year of just uh, a really anemic uh, start to 2020 in the theaters. What's terrifying is that what's coming for. I mean, we got to do a summer movie preview or something, but what's coming this year just looks dreadful. Yeah, I'm, like this looks like a terrible <laughs> year. I know. I, I'm Top Gun is it. the highlight of what's coming, and everything yes. else looks worse. That's awesome. So, Jesus yeah. Christ. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, but I do have at least something positive to talk about uh, okay. this week. Um. Add another album to the list of albums by bands from back in the day that were done more recently that actually stand up just fine and, and stand right next to the rest of their catalog in a way that isn't sort of a has-been-y sound. Okay. And that is the 2015 New Order album called Music Complete. Really? Um, yeah. Turns out that's a actually a pretty damn good New Order album. Huh. Um. Did you just there's decide a, to listen to this just randomly and never done that before? No, there's a there's a New Order and Pet Shop Boys tour uh, that's gonna be going around that I saw and that got me looking at New Order and Pet Shop Boys uh, okay. music and there's a new Pet Shop Boys album that doesn't meet that that is more of a has been album, okay. but the New Order from 2015 uh, highly recommended. 
Chris, you will like the song, uh, it, and it's actually probably the worst song on the album, but there really Thanks. isn't a bad Thanks. one. <laughs> you will like a song called Stray Dog. Uh, Stray Dog is along the lines of like the songs on Technique with the guy just talking. Okay. Um, but but the guy who's talking, I thought it was Sam Elliott because it's like this really gravelly like cowboy voice. It's Iggy Pop, apparently. It does sound an um, awful lot like Sam Elliott, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> they say the secret of all happiness is unconditional love and brotherhood and trying to be good and trying not to drink. But I can't stop drinking. It's in my blood. Sometimes you need uh, the bar. Sometimes the bar keeps Church and destroy. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what this song sounds like. So yeah. Um, I'll play a clip of Stray Dog here, but the rest of the album's even better. Uh, check it out. New order, music complete. Of the mire. Not getting wasted, not being a cheater, killer, or a liar. Not getting pulled down in the wastes of the mire. In the darkness. Which is funny you bring it up, because uh, randomly this morning, I'm just flipping channels to, like, you know, wake up to my day and have my coffee. And I don't want to watch the mm-hmm. news. And I stumble across uh, Pretty in Pink. And so I'm watching it. And it's, it's like the middle end-ish. Uh, and they're playing just a shit ton of New Order during montage scenes. And I didn't remember any of that. I'm like, when did they... Have they always played this much New Order and Pretty in Pink? Oh, yeah, yeah. They play like <laughs> half of Shellshock okay. when she's making the dress. I did not remember and that. And then there's you, another one you, also. You'd think that was something that I would remember. But no. So, interesting. <laughs> or not. Anyway, that's all I got. That's okay, my well, I'm shit. sorry that you didn't enjoy your movie, and I hope next week your cruise will be better. It, I it hope your cruise is be. better than a, a, a 18th century yeah. set Abortion. period French yeah. film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And I really hope your cruise <laughs> is not on fire. But I do yes. I do wish you lots of drugs in, in lesbian hairy armpits. Yes. that. That I think we can all agree. Do you have yeah. anything that can compare with this, Eric? I do. Okay. I um, <clears throat> I spent a little money, and I got me some Apple AirPods Pro. And I Ooh. I, I got to tell you, these these I, I the AirPods. I thought, who who gives a shit? When those came out, they don't fit in your ear well. They're yeah. garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, these fit very nicely, but. They have something I never knew I needed uh, mm-hmm. until I got these, which is noise canceling, not noise yes. reducing, but full yes. noise canceling. Just, just everything else tuned out. I yeah. press this little button on the stem, and the whole world just goes, boom. Yeah, and I, I love noise canceling. I got a pair oh of Bose God. a couple of years ago, and I use those at work, and it's yeah. just, it's like you're it literally like get smart the cone of silence just comes down yeah. and you don't hear anything else it's amazing noise canceling headphones are essential on an airplane yes. when you're yeah, flying that's, air, yeah that's it. why i really got them was you know for the flight out to uh uh florida uh but the other thing is that when i'm working out with these i never realized i i always have the volume of the music all the way up right like like <laughs> like pain inducing volume once i had these i didn't need to cuz i wasn't it's not that I'm I'm deaf. I was trying to tune out the rest of the world. Yeah, right. So this does most of the heavy lifting on that. It'll save my ears. 
So, nice. Yeah, I'm a big fan of these things. Are these the ones the with like thing, the little white stems that stick out though? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All and right. and uh I don't know how the call quality is right now compared to Great. previous weeks. Yeah. But that's the other thing is that I figured it would be good for you hearing me while we record these things. Are you yeah, wearing I'm, them I'm now? On, I am. Sweet. I'm on non-noise canceling AirPods right now and okay. yeah, I, they also I had the same thing. It's like, nobody needs this. <laughs> but then once you get used to, first of all, getting used to wireless headphones, like wired headphones just will piss you off from yeah. here on out. Yeah, uh, That wire will just be in the way of everything. And the other thing that the Apple ones do that is complete and total luxury item stuff, but it's nice. If you take one out of your ear, it will pause whatever you're listening to. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've experienced that. Which is awesome. I like that I can hold the thing up to my phone and it'll tell me what the charge rate is on the headphones and the case. Yep. It's they like have lots of neat of stuff. Everything. They have yeah. thought of everything. It's my it's my fourth uh, uh I guess footfall into the world of Apple now and I I'm guessing I'm not very far off now from having that Apple symbol tattooed to my ball bag because <laughs> everything <laughs> seems to be a good purchase. Pretty sure the T's yeah. and C's that you signed require that. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Un- okay, so unfortunately, uh, uh, I have... Okay, I've, I've listened to some good stuff with this prepping for the cruise, but uh, I also listened to a bad podcast called Down <laughs> the Hill, The Delphi Murders, which is like a true crime podcast that I got... You know, the, the, that was randomly selected for me in the Browse Now section of the podcast. And I think I realize now why I hate true crime. It's mm. this, this is a podcast that's it's not done by like fans who are into a thing because those podcasts are usually fun, like ours. This is uh, HLN, the, the batshit crazy middle aged woman network. And. <laughs> They, they did a story on this murder of these two girls in Indiana, and I'm listening to it the whole time going, this is just violence porn, kind of, uh, but mm. in the guise of, this is so terrible. It's so terrible what happened. Wait, hold on. Let me pull out my dick. This is so <laughs> terrible. So terrible. <laughs> oh, and. Yeah, I'm like, oh, fuck you. Eric, and Eric they, likes his violence porn awesome, not... Yeah, not, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if your violence well, porn can't get you off, then what's the point? I like I like violence porn that's fake, I guess, or, uh, you know, like committed on people who deserve it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not, mm. not like, you know, two 14-year-old girls walking, you know, walking to school. Uh, and, and, and these people are doing it in this air of... You know what? A, what a terrible tragedy this was. But they're they're definitely selling it, and they they mention HLN like every twenty minutes, like it's uh. a promo for the channel. I just ugh, everything about it just sickens me. They had I, the final straw was when they said, you know, this episode is now we've been concentrating too much on the details of the crime. This episode we're gonna try and meet uh, Libby and I can't remember the other name. Um, and like five Brought minutes you buy in some pharmaceuticals with a bunch of uh, yeah side effects. Yeah. <laughs> five minutes kids. into yeah five minutes into a description of who these girls were, we were slamming right back into the uh, and their bodies were. Fa- it was a it was the scene was 
despicable. There were there were officers who were saying, "I'm never going to get that out of my eye." You know, they're <laughs> it's the they're true really crime podcast that. that makes you want to rub peyote in your armpits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds, I like that. It sounds really good, Eric. Uh, yeah, the way you describe terrible. it. Yeah. I, I, I guess, yeah, the, the moral of the story is don't randomly pick a podcast. Just come on back to the Magnificently I mean, Huge. Sometimes yeah. if you just, uh, you know, follow the path just for shits and giggles, it can be fun. But 99% yeah. of the time, it's like, oh, my fucking God, what did I just do? <laughs> oh, and there's there's a one another podcast I thought was really interesting and kind of neat. Uh, newcomers, which is uh, Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byer, who've never watched any of the Star Wars movies. So nice. The podcast is them watching the Star Wars movies, and like you play the movie while you you know play the podcast, and they talk right. through like what's what's going on. This is lots of random stuff. It's so funny to listen to these people, yeah, who are you know They're- roughly our age and fairly intelligent watch a movie that we just sort of take for granted and go i don't i don't this is just a lot of random stuff yeah i'm not following this there are very few film franchises out there where you can actually say you've never seen yeah Uh, but star wars is probably the grandpappy of them all for our generation (laughs) and so yeah you do that and not have at least seen like all of the references and homages and exactly warren lapkus says in the first the the new hope show that. Yes, she's never seen these films, but she's gotten out of a lot of improv uh, uh, scenarios by just sort of bullshitting or spitting out like a line she happens to know <laughs> and getting past it, that it comes up a lot, but still, she just does, never bothered to watch does, it. Does Star Wars come up a lot in improv? I wonder. That's interesting. I bet. Interesting. Okay. I mean, it's it's a cultural touchstone, and... You know, when you're improving and you're trying to make something make sense for a large audience, it's a good one to go to. Okay. And what is this one called again? Newcomers. 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 Star Wars okay. with Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byer. All right. I'm going to slap that on the list. All right. Yeah, I okay. recommend that one. Okay, good. That's, that's it. All, All right. right. Thanks for, for sharing, Chris, what Eric? you got? Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. Okay, so Hulu... Uh, Brian, in case you weren't aware, uh, has greener grass on now. And I saw that. I was wondering if you're going to notice. <laughs> uh, and it just showed up. <laughs> and I, have you seen this yet, Eric? No, I know nothing. Okay, of it. you you need to go. It's made for Chris. <laughs> you need to go watch this movie. It is so fucking weird, but it's deliberately weird in a good way. Uh, but basically, it's uh, it's like a dark comic satire of suburbia that it basically it, it's sort of like if you take the the feel of jared hess doing napoleon dynamite but transposing that over some weird david lynchian blue velvety suburban nightmare you get this and it's so goddamn funny but it's like a poke in your eye funny it's not like jokes uh <laughs> yeah but it's, it's like everything is just like 30 degrees off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the, like the whole, be. basically it's the, the, the gist of the 
through line is that it's a suburban housewife who just slowly descends into madness, but everything around her is already fucking insane, so <laughs> she can't really tell if she's really going mad or if it's just part of the deal. Uh, is, but, is all this stuff the reality, or is all this stuff what she's perceiving? Well, it, you don't really know. It's sort of, they, they ah. borrow heavily from, like, Lynch. There's a whole lot of, uh, like, Bergman's persona as a vibe going on in there. There's a lot of Stepford Wives stuff going on. So it's all just making it way more sophisticated than it is. (laughs) Well, it's just all very off kilter, but they, you can tell what they they're sort of drawing from, but it's just this weird, uh, otherworldly suburban landscape. So it's all like primary colors, but then all of the adults inexplicably wear braces and they don't ever explain why, uh, that's because that's what adults do. Yeah, you should. And, everyone should be wearing braces. <laughs> yeah, and then we don't they, question this. And they all drive golf carts around their pre-planned community, etc., uh, etc. Et but then at like one point in the very opening scene, the two soccer moms are watching their kids play a game, and the one's got an, an infant, and the other woman says, "Oh, I didn't realize that you had another child." supposedly they're friends and she should know this and then it and it leads to her going oh well uh, do you want it <laughs> and that sets off like a whole chain of reactions where the woman finally uh takes the baby and then the woman who's initially gave it to her starts to regret that decision but then it's too late and that sort of can just I have sets my off baby this, back yeah can i have it no. no no and and i'm very hurt that you said that to me i mean it's just like it's like what in the fuck is going on uh, uh, that's the whole that's the humor of this if, yeah. you, if you think that's funny yeah you'll probably like yeah. it and then <laughs> there's like a whole subplot <laughs> where where the that woman's kid uh, inexplicably turns into a dog and then, yeah. <laughs> and then she goes which further which makes the dad happy because the dad wanted a dog and yeah. not not really yeah. a kid yeah. uh, <laughs> and then so then she goes further into madness because now she doesn't have any kids whereas this woman over here has got f- like four kids now two, one of which is hers I mean it's just like yeah. what in the fuck is going on <laughs> uh, but it's so off kilter uh, but yeah when, <laughs> when Brian saw it back in October-ish uh, and said it was made for me uh, I would agree with that assessment because, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I just thought it was very Chris movie. It was like a jolt of, of pure heroin watching that thing. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. It does sound great. Just that description alone, I mean. <laughs> so, yeah. Enjoy. It's really weird. It's definitely not to everybody's taste, and most people will probably hate it, but fuck it. Uh, <laughs> it, it was a salve because I did also dive into the Witch Mountain movies this week. On Disney. Yay, we made it. We made it. Uh, we made it all the way to Witch Mountain. Which is, uh, I gotta tell you, I, th- I thought the Herbie movies were just the most insanely weird. Uh, and then I started watching these Witch Mountain ones, and I forgot how over-the-top weird they are. Because it's like two alien kids with telepathic powers who have, like, visions. Uh, one is like telepathic and can talk with her mind and float things telekinetically and the other kid like needs a harmonica to make stuff move uh and they're trying to get back to their alien family that had crash landed years before and then they're being pursued by a really creepy donald pleasance who's the henchman for an even creepier ray Meland. and they don't really explain why they want the kids they just do uh, and it, uh, it's just, I don't get it. Uh, and then 
the sequel is Return from Witch Mountain, which is they're teenagers now, and it's Betty Davis and Christopher Lee. Uh, That's the one I remember more clearly. But yeah, and yeah. that one is even Jack, more so. Yeah, and it's even more bug fucking sane because it doesn't make any sense. It's literally like someone just goes, "Oh, it's a kids' movie. They don't care. Just put this down." Like Christopher Lee is a scientist that develops this thing that you plug on someone's head and you can control them with like a remote control device, where you do like uh, instructions, and then Betty Davis is like his financier, and then they stumble across these two alien kids who've been dropped off into L.A. to just have a weekend. Don't they have, uh, like, telekinesis or something, the kids? Yeah. Isn't that their thing? Yeah, and then one of them, like, gets abducted by these weirdos, and then they find out that they've got powers, and then they put the thing to control his mind on there, and then they use him to, like, rob uh, gold from museums, and then the whole thing devolves into them, like, trying to take over a nuclear facility. To I don't know, it's just, uh-huh. it doesn't make any goddamn sense, but all I could think of watching it was like, man, 70s Disney is, like, the apex of where a career goes to die i mean it's like i thought i thought that was the love boat but okay well okay it's a stepping stone as a kid i i only ever saw return from witch mountain like that's all they would show yeah and so i right i never saw whatever was the first witch mountain what is it the first one called escape Escape to escape to witch mountain okay So my, my question is always, okay, so they know it's a mountain, right? It's like on the earth. Why, why don't they just fly around the mountain and find where these people are? and Because they okay, don't know which mountain it is. Yeah. Which mountain? Escape yeah, which mountain? Which it's mountain. a question. Oh, you get it? Oh, that's important. Yeah. I get it. No. no. I was uh, joking. But yeah, it's just, it's so weird because Betty Davis and Christopher Lee are just sort of sleepwalking through a paycheck and it's got a really heavy Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park vibe. Because it's literally yeah. like controlling people as automatons. Uh, it's just so, <laughs> so strange. I know that would be a really great short film, though. Like uh, um, Betty Davis and Christopher Lee having the discussion where she's like, well, my, you know, my life's almost over. This is just a paycheck. Yeah. And him saying, yeah, me too. But then, it, you know, he doesn't tell her he has the gift of eternal life and that he'll be in <laughs> stuff for the next 30, 40 Basically. years. Yeah. Basically, it came okay. on. I'm like, I'm like, holy shit. Baby Jane and Dracula are going to abduct a child to rob a a bank. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> but you but, are in the chair. <laughs> yeah. But did you also watch Race to Witch Mountain starring uh, The Rock? I started it. I really, I got about halfway through when the original actors from the first films, the child actors now grown, uh, had cameos uh, that were sort of winky winky throwbacks. They weren't the aliens. They were just people in this small town that, they had names similar to what they had. Oh, in, in so that Witch was Mountain. more of a of a reboot. Yeah, it, they they totally ignored everything that came before it. It was a whole new story, and that one was like Dwayne Johnson uh, as a cab driver having to get him back to Witch Mountain, but they're being pursued by the government. So it's like a a Jason Bourne fugitive type situation. But then there's also like an alien uh, like hitman after them. So there's like a Terminator vibe. It's a very sophisticated story structure that. Uh, actually adheres to a cohesive narrative, <laughs> whereas the previous two are like, what in the fuck is this? Uh, <laughs> it's just, it, to me, I think the Witch Mountain movies are going to be the uh, the pinnacle of what 70s Disney is because it's just so awful. 
and yet they get all this name talent attached to it. It's so strange. It's so strange. Apparently, there was also a remake in 1995 of Escape to Witch Mountain. Yes, and the girl was ABC. played by Elizabeth Moss. Like, huh. like I read, I read that today. I was like, what? So that's like, uh, like Bill Campbell in the Love Bug '90s remake thing. I mean, it's just like all of this just starts to bug out into this weird mushroom of just despair. It's just so awful. <laughs> A mushroom what? of despair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. What I've yeah. never, what I've never understood is they're they're aliens. So what's with the witches? Are we doing witches and magic no. or aliens? No, it's I, just the, I never the, get it. The the place where their their spacecraft people landed on Earth because basically their their planet is dead or dying, so they all left and then they came to Earth, so they're all colonizing on this place called Witch Mountain, which is like in the California uh, mountain somewhere, uh, somewhere nearby the Buena yeah, Vista yeah. Studios. So it's basically okay. it's like that's their colony where they're making a fresh start on earth, but people don't know they're aliens. Uh, and that's where they're trying to get to, but their ship crash landed and they got separated. And so they just kind of grew up, uh, not knowing. And then suddenly start having visions and have to go back. It's really dumb. Uh, mm. turns out that uncle Jesse from the Dukes of hazard is their, <laughs> their caregiver from the alien world. And so they have to get back to him. Uh, so that's like he shows up at the end and he makes helicopters fly upside down and <laughs> it's just dumb. Uh, but then in the second one, it's like three years later and the spaceship like flies in, lands at the Rose Bowl on the 50 yard line. And then he comes out with the kids and goes, all right, uh, you're on your way for the good weekend. So you can go have some fun and I'll see you in a couple of days. Bye. I mean, that's literally <laughs> oh like the that. start. It's like, what in the don't, hell? Don't yeah. get poison ivy, kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then hilarity ensues. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I might be spent. I don't know if I can do another one of these things. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, Disney Plus has broken Chris. Yeah. So I may I may go to the 60s, I, may, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> so, but, so, Greener Grass, I will recommend. Uh, Witch Mountain, I do not. Thank you. All right. And that's fresh shit, right? That is fresh shit. Fresh goes better. Fresh. Yeah, that's that, that okay. is fresh. That was some super fresh shit, I tell you what. So fresh. Uh, so now we can talk about the actual topic, which I know people are just riveted to hear about, uh, which is what is your first rated R movie? Because that was a big thing when we were growing up. Um, but then it made me wonder... Do kids that came up after us, so like millennials and whatnot, is this even like a, a rite of passage for them anymore? Are rated R movies is even a like a question. big, a big Given deal? Given YouTube and such, I can't imagine that it is. But yeah. Well, okay. that's that's what I'm trying to figure out because uh, we, you know, we grew up in the 70s, so the the rating system had been implemented in like 68, so it was still fairly new ish. Uh, but I just remember it being a big deal if you got to see an R-rated movie if you right. were a kid. Also, also worth po pointing out in the pre-digital era that you had television, which, you know, until cable was you know, all PG. Yes. And you had movies where you might see a booby. And Maybe. now 
kids are growing up where they can see anal, you know, like before they see <laughs> Sesame Street. Yeah, really. They can just roll up on Pornhub and uh, get it in before breakfast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when we were kids, it was like, yeah, you, you either snuck in to see it in the theater or maybe you or somebody you knew had like HBO or Cinemax where you could stay up at, until like yeah, one that was in the morning to, to watch yeah. the movie because they always showed him like after midnight. So you were always Eric's just dad worked at Motorola and yeah. they had cable like so, yeah. right away. Oh, but, my dad uh, invented cable. Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, so those were really the only two ways that we could get these things. And I just, it struck me as funny because I was thinking back on it. Uh, like we had HBO when like I was eight ish. So it's like 79. And I think the first eight R rated movie I ever saw was my mom sat me down to watch Saturday night fever of all things. Cause I guess she thought mm. it was socially relevant. Uh, and looking back, I'm like, why would she do that? Cause that is yeah. truly a movie that needs to be R rated. Cause they literally gang rape a woman in the back of a car driving over yeah. the Brooklyn bridge and stuff like that. It's like, what in socially the hell? Relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I only remember the disco music on that one, frankly. I think my first R-rated movie, I mean, was actually not R-rated in that it was the television edit, you know, right? Like, so, you know, The Godfather, yeah. for example, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, you would see that on TV, and, and uh, then, you know, later on in life, you'd see the real version of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I get it. I don't know. I remember seeing that as a kid and thinking it was pretty goddamn violent. I don't know what they would have cut out. Uh, like, Sunny at the Crosswalk is the same. Yeah. In the TV edit? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's screaming and getting filled with holes. And, and I was, I wasn't even 10 and, and my parents are like <laughs> letting me, letting me shit, yeah. making me watch this. I'm like, I don't want to watch this again. <laughs> Sonny <laughs> is going to the crust. Tell Sonny not to do that. Yeah. <laughs> get shot again. Yeah. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but that's also what's funny is that looking back on it now, they always seem to have the MPAA more of a, a hard on for the violence as not being a big deal. That was like, Oh, PG yeah. sure. Well, but if there was any still true. Yeah. But if there was anything even remotely sexual, <laughs> Oh, that's an R bam. Uh, and that always, I think as a kid stirred my imagination that much more because R somehow sure. equated to boobies. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So, yeah. so when I was, I, so it also made me realize that the, the first R rated movie that I ever snuck into in the theater as a kid was in 1983. I, I paid for the movie trench coat starring Margot Kidder and Robert Hayes, but then I went and saw spring break. So it was like March of 83. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like me and my buddies were like 11, 12. We're sitting in the very back row thinking we're all cool. Like nobody knows we're here. The ushers totally knew what we were doing, but they left us alone. Of course. Uh, and it's just literally like a teenage sex comedy from the 80s. And it's just, and it's from the director of Friday the 13th, Sean S. Cunningham. And it literally is exactly like a Friday the 13th movie, but instead of, uh, severed limbs and axes and heads. It's just boobs in place of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I remember. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. I, I, You make me think of The Cooler. Do you remember that movie with William H. Macy and Maria Bello? Okay, yeah, yeah. It's, it takes place in Vegas, uh, but it, it got a an NC-17 originally. 
because Maria Bella's in bed with William H. Macy and they've had sex. They're just talking now. And the the sheet shows like a little bit of pubic hair. Like the sheet is just not is just down far enough. You can see a little bit of pubic. And for that, they gave it an NC-17. And they were like, wait a minute. You've got movies like Porky's where you can see Obush and that gets an R rating. But because it's two people, two grownups in bed, you know, yeah, that's bad. They're not even having well, sex. They're laying there. Well, I think that addresses a, a, another issue, which is th- how arbitrary the MPAA rating system is. Yeah. Because uh, it, it started in 68 after the Hayes Code pretty much just dis- dissolved uh, with the sexual revolution and what have you. But they needed to self-regulate because I guess people were still kind of like, uh, yeah, well, it was either get regulate, regulate yourselves, or get regulated. The game, yeah, the video yeah. game industry went through a similar thing. Yeah, uh, the studio system was such a heavy lockdown that they could force them to not do some things, like show boobs. Yeah, and then when the studio system broke apart, there was no longer any control. And I think what what really scared the daylights out of them was when they came up with a rating system or declared something X-rated, and then an X-rated film won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's similar, too, uh, when the Hayes Code was really on its last legs. So in 1959, when they did Some Like It Hot, uh, that one didn't get the seal of approval, uh, but they released it anyway, and it went on to just be a phenomenal success. And I think the people that <laughs> put out the case code were like, oh, we're screwed. We're screwed. Because that, that doesn't <laughs> even mean anything anymore at this point. Uh, so, yeah, you get all those weirdness. So then, yeah, so Valent- Jack Valenti creates the MPAA uh, and establishes the rating code. So it's what it was. I think it's, it started, it was, uh, it wasn't PG at first. It was like GP, I think is what they called it. But it, mm-hmm. it said switch. But you had G for general audiences, which is basically uh, family-friendly kids' movies, nothing objectionable. Then you've got PG, where parents may want to address whether or not their kids see it, because there could be some stuff that's questionable for younger children. Uh, PG-13 didn't come on until 84, right? So it was like post- Indiana Jones yeah. and the Temple of Doom and Gremlins, where a lot of people got freaked out because those were PG movies. And then Red yeah. Dawn comes along and they said, okay, PG-13, because it's a little more intense. Uh, mm-hmm. And then X, which got co-opted by the porn industry, and they sort of lost all meaning on that. And that became NC-17 in like 1990, I guess. Yep. Uh, and that was box office poison. So yeah. for whatever I, reason. That was, if you, if you want to understand how a film like Showgirls gets made, they were like, we're going to take this NC-17 and we're going to turn it into box office gold. <laughs> we're going to make a movie that's a, we're going to show them. And then they make like one of the worst films of all time. Yeah. And ensure but, that NC-17 is straight to video. But even, even still, right? Like an R-rated movie, you can, you know, you can make Saw, right? You can, you can make anything that's just like death, 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 blood, blood, blood. But, you know, screwing, yeah, NC-17. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is unfortunate, because I, I remember when Henry and June came out, that was one of the first to get that. And then that was, I, think, I think that was the first, NC-17. I, so. I was actually uh, managing a movie theater when that came out, and there was all this hubbub about it. Yeah. Like, oh, you and make sure you don't let any kids in there, you know. <laughs> which is yeah. unfortunate, because it's literally just an art movie, and there's, yeah, there's yeah. a little sex in it, but it's not like 
like porn. Uh, so yeah. it literally could have been an R-rated movie and nobody would have cared. There's way harder it's, stuff on Netflix. It yeah, was basically any kid as, can dial up right now. <laughs> it was basically as boring as anything related to Anais Nin <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but yeah, but I am, Fred, I am, I am wanting of your penis. <clears throat> but yeah, but Fred Ward as uh, Henry Miller was definitely a sight to behold. I will just say that. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, and then you have the rated R, which is. Uh, I think the official one is contains adult material. Parents urged to learn more about the film before taking your young children with them. Uh, yeah. And it's rated so R means arbit- the bullets actually cause blood and they yeah. say the word fuck more than once. Now yeah. it's, it's not that we want to protect the kids from the word fuck. They can hear it once in a PG 13, but if you hear it twice, Ooh, now that's a problem. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was actually I watching a thing with uh, Ryan Johnson. He was talking about a scene in Knives Out, and they had to change the scene where where um, Captain America says, eat shit, eat shit, definitely eat shit, was written, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And <laughs> they changed that scene to get a PG-13 rating. And apparently there are two fucks in Knives Out, so even the, the one fuck rule apparently is arbitrary, according yeah. to Ryan Johnson. It's all arbitrary. That's the thing. Well, it's it's random because what they do is they call in a group of, I guess, average Americans that you find in Southern California somewhere, and they sit them in the theater and they have them watch the movie, and then they ask them, "What do you think?" And then this group of people who have, I guess, you know, no artistic background, they're just people watching a movie, make the decision. They they you know it's like a jury trial. And, and it's, yeah. And it's criteria that just doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost intentionally vague. Uh, and it seems like when they came up with PG 13, they were sort of hedging because it's like, well, here we've got a whole slew of movies that we've rated PG that might have been maybe better or certified as R, but then it's the financials of that because the studio is like, you can't, make this movie rated R because then that will lose our audience by like a third uh, at so least. So that was the thing I wanted to get into is there's a set of movies that that were R back in the day that clearly if they were being made today, they would make the PG-13 version of. Yeah. Um, and I would put into that pretty much, well, Aliens for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is, I think, the first R-rated movie I showed my son. Um the original Terminator, uh, frankly, a lot of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, uh, yeah. you know, Total Recall, Commando, even uh, the Lost Boys. Uh, there's a there's a lot of movies that that are R that I think would not be maybe the same movie wouldn't even be R if it were yeah. rated today without any well, edits. Well, but conversely, too, you've got a lot of PG-13 movies that probably should have been R. Uh or PG movies that maybe you shouldn't have, like uh, like the Taken movies. I'm not sure why those are PG-13, <laughs> especially the first one. It's like, this thing, holy Christ, is just like violence from start to finish. And I don't understand why this is PG-13, but something like The Matrix is rated R. You know what I mean? Why is The Matrix rated R? That's a, that's well, a fair uh, question. Uh, <laughs> that's another one I showed my kid fairly early on was The Matrix, yeah. yeah. 
But but conversely, I guess it's probably f bombs. I don't know. I, I guess. But then you've also got the PG movies that's like, come on, man, this should have been totally rated R, like Poltergeist. I don't understand why that got PG thirteen <laughs> or even PG. That was like pre PG thirteen, so that was just rated PG. It's like this thing is fucking. That'll give you nightmares if you're a fucking kid. Uh, but hey, let's put a PG on it because it's Steven Spielberg. La 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 la. You know what I mean? Uh, but the one that <laughs> that kills me. Well, there's dude, sixteen candles is one that got PG, even though there's an extended uh, amount of nudity when they show Carolyn in the shower early on. And it's like like lingering camera shots of her naked breasts. Uh, and then there's a lot of questionable sexual stuff. And then some of the language. I'm like, I don't understand how this got PG at all. And they didn't have to fight uh, for any cuts. And yet the Breakfast like, Club was rated R. <laughs> exactly. It's like, <laughs> what is the deal? That's just a bunch of boring kids sitting around talking in a library. It's like, what is this? I think it has less to do with sex or violence than it does subversion. Because Breakfast Club was kids showing some wisdom about the horror of their lives, <laughs> and okay. that drove people more nuts. Uh, Matrix was the world doesn't really have meaning. The one that you're, you keep going to that job <laughs> okay. for is bullshit. It's like, I, I think there is something more anti-subversive going on. Okay. But also, as you I pointed mean, out, there's these also aren't F-bombs. Yeah. Like. There's one scene in the Breakfast Club that has like four or five f bombs, was just a monologue, right? Yeah. No, Dad. Yeah. What about you? Well, but I also... would say that what's more objectionable is not the fuck as fuck you, Dad. That's what drove people right. nuts. Okay. Wait a minute. They're gonna stop listening to us. We're they're gonna figure out that we're complete fucking dummies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just yeah, it's weird. But as you pointed out, Eric, it's like these aren't people that have any sort of film background. It's just randos that sort of check off a list and right. I guess all it comes down to it's how it made me feel because they yeah. did that documentary like in 2015 ish this film is not yet rated which basically chronicled oh, right. how how the MPAA works because it's like secret ballot they don't know who these people are blah 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 uh, and they'll give you they'll give the studio the notes and say this is the rating we recommend and if it's an R and the studio didn't want the R then they can either appeal or not. And then that's a whole other nugget of headaches. And it's just so it's like the MPAA sort of has evolved into this thing that has nebulous power over studios when the projections that they have for the the movie don't really Mm. fit. It's like, well, because they know going in pre-production, yeah, this will be R, this will be PG-13. They pretty much know that. So when one doesn't quite work uh, for whatever reason, then it's just... Do we cut it or do we leave it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ultimately, I think the whole thing, though, is about uh, social engineering. That if we let people just make what they want to make, it will all devolve into Roman era porn. <laughs> Anarchy. And Anarchy. so, yeah. The internet. Oh, and so, yeah. exactly. Yeah, really, exactly. Really. <laughs> That's, yeah. Because there were, there were movies with naked women in them in the 1920s and 30s. Because yeah. nobody was watching or cared. And that's when people started saying, nope, got to stop that. And well, they, they, they put in the code and the yeah. studio system. And when that breaks apart, they make it you know, raw economics. If you have this, you're going to get boycotted by the, you know, the Catholic League and all these. Yeah. Now that none of that exists, 
they're really fighting to find a way to control the information. And it's fun to watch them spaz out, but I think ultimately they're going to come up with something that's going to be horrifying. And (laughs) in its place, it's going to, it's going to be very Taliban-y around here because we aren't going to win out of the bottle. The, The internet has, I don't see them being able to control the internet. I think the internet will destroy, um, society really uh (laughs) it hasn't already it kind of has um but but it in its place it's forming new little tribes they can't control the internet but they can control politicians who put people in the uh uh, um oh boy why can't i think of it all of a sudden i can think of fcc but i can't think of fcc they can control that and that's you know enough it's like if we can't control the worldwide internet and europe is still doing fine we don't care but we can still keep americans from seeing anything we don't want them to yeah well it's just weird but it also just boils down to economics the studios know what they're doing uh so when they release an r-rated raunch comedy they know they're going to get an r-rated raunch comedy rating uh but those are cheaper to produce than the big temples so they actually can make money. Like when Deadpool came out and made a bejesus amount of money, I was astonished a, that that would be an R rated movie, but also b uh, that it would manage to draw such a crowd. But I think yeah. it's cause it was just, Oh, it's a well, comic book movie that they've rated. It's R. funny. Deadpool yeah, is rated yeah. R for the same reason. Beverly Hills cop is rated R. Yeah. Right. Cause it's just got a filthy mouth and a lot of bullets. Yeah. Which is right. odd. I think I really uh, think that there's a there's a, an argument there for a well really that's the argument for PG-13. I think that's that movie, you know, Beverly Hills Cop or Deadpool is what PG-13 should have been used for. PG, I mean, all this Marvel stuff is PG-13. It should be PG. Come on. Like why yeah. have we gotten Yeah. I don't understand why we're yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, it's just I think they just missed the mark on so much. Uh, like the, the story about stand by me that came out as rated R, uh, because they dropped some F bombs in there and the studio could have cut those out and made it a PG 13 and increased their box office. But Norman Lear was one of the producers, I think. And he said, no, he's like, do you either keep your art or do you follow the bean counters? Uh, so they left them all in. It still made a shit ton of money and became a classic. Uh, but that's a weird case of why is this movie rated R? Why? <laughs> it's like, it's a just kid's language. adventure. Yeah. It just, just doesn't make language. any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Whereas you get movies like snakes on a plane that actively solicited for the R rating, uh, and wanted it so badly that they just put extra shit in there to make sure that they got it so they can market yeah. it, uh, as an R rated movie. So it I just, think that's that why the, it's the whole idea. I think that's why the opening sequence of Deadpool is what it is. It's openly saying this is going to be violent and like like beyond violent. A guy gets squooshed, several people get <laughs> several people yeah. get deaded in outlandish ways, and yeah. you're gonna laugh at it. So go ahead and give us the R. We're not even gonna yeah. try. Well, yeah. yeah. But when they do it for language, that really just irritates me. Like, I could see it maybe back in the 70s when things were a little bit more tightly controlled and you had the three networks and they were concerned. But people 
use profanity all the time. I mean, it's not like anybody should be shocked by it. Uh, it, it needs to be like a PGL rating. Like yeah, just I for guess. language, right? Like, yeah. Um, then again, I, look, I could not say any swear words, and I could say all the subversive things that Eric was saying. You know, hey, yeah, by right. the way, uh, all yeah. the adults are clueless and are making it up as they go, <laughs> and yeah. shouldn't necessarily be trusted. And guess what? That's that's G. That's rated G. That would be that would be interesting if you made a movie about uh, a group of Arab terrorists who take over the country uh, and are the good guys and the United States and Christians are bad guys. <laughs> Deliberately and made, you made it, it fit. Yeah, and you made it a comedy, made it, made it a comedy, but you know, one where you're still rooting for the terrorists <laughs> and you never swear and you never have nudity. I wonder if you would get an R rating. That would be the test. Yeah. I mean, clearly you would get a PG it, just for them thematic. Right. But yeah, I think you could terrorists. probably get it in as a PG. You know, my happy fatwa. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. We're already on the road to yeah. And, and, uh, and let's get uh, Manzukas from um, How Did This Get Made to be our lead. He he looks kind of Middle Easterny. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> but you know, it's it's just a weird bag because there are just so many movies where you look at them and just go, "There." I don't understand what the MPAA was smoking when they decided that this should be, you know, PG or I assure you R. that these people do not have that much fun. They don't smoke anything. Well, one of my favorite yeah. stories no. is how, how the bad news bears with Walter Matthau in like 76 got a PG rating. Uh, and that literally is about an alcoholic who's coaching a kid's little league team and the kids <laughs> swear like sailors. I mean, that's, that's the movie. True. Uh, and they, they drop like two F bombs, I guess. But I think it's because they make the kids say all the other, like, you know, asshole and shit and whatever, that it's sort of, it's almost like distracting from the fact that, oh, the, the word that you really care about, oh, we're going to bury that in and all these other stuff, but they're kids saying it, so it's <laughs> cute. And that managed to get a PG, which makes no sense because that really should be, like, they could have made that R and been totally filthy and it would have been so much funnier, but. <laughs> But that's just me. Whatever. Well, one of the weird things that's happened, though, is that, like, you watch movies from the 80s or the Goonies or really anything, and kids swearing is more predominant in PG movies from the 80s than it is in PG-13 movies today. Yeah. Like, yeah. if anything, we've gotten more puritanical about language in these these PG-13 movies, which is weird to me. Yeah. Whereas, again, the, the violence... Reason Though I would have thought the whole reason for giving a higher rating to something with swearing is so that kids don't call people cocksucker. So, <laughs> yeah, but they're gonna learn it somewhere. Well, it's but, why all of the all of the little kid movies nowadays have a poop joke in them. It's to make sure that they're not rated G because that scene is the kiss of death in kid movie world. They want to at least yeah. be PG, so they have like fart well, jokes and, and stuff. Well, that's a fair they're point like, too because uh, they created the PG thirteen rating in 84 and then that has become just a gold mine for studios that's like the magic rating uh so you get all the ones that could be rated r but they just tone it down just just enough uh to make it a pg-13 and get the money like tango and cash that's a pg-13 movie but somehow that got an r rating i don't understand that at all it's like this is so dumb that it's yeah. it's no dumber than 
uh, Fast and Furious, any of those movies, and they basically make sure that those come in at PG-13 so that they can make $5 billion. Because uh, if it was rated R, that would tank their their bottom line. It's just so weird that that is the the main or one of the main decisions going into making these. It's like, Is well, that weird? Is that really weird? Oh, we're self-regulating industry, and we would like I, to get the 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 most money. I yeah, maybe it's I, more I disappointing. Maybe it's more disappointing. <laughs> but uh, but there's also I think they went through a few years ago, and they did look at like the the way movies are rated, and I guess the R ratings at least a few years ago were still the most prevalent overall, and PG thirteen came in second, obviously. Uh, I'm, but the I'm surprised ratings, it wasn't overwhelmingly PG-13. Yeah, well, that was why really? I was shocked because uh, it's so weird. But I guess the R-rated movies are more niche and they know how to target the marketing for those so they can actually make hmm. audiences go see them uh, rather than just sort of the shotgun approach where it's like, here's X star, here's X storyline you've seen 100,000 times before, but we've got CGI, Go. I mean, I know that <laughs> I know that PG thirteen out, you know, out uh, revenues are R rated movies by a lot. Yeah. yeah, but the but conversely to that though, as I brought up earlier, is that the R rated movies they tend to make for much less because they know going in that they're going to have right, that right. that sort of albatross. Uh, so to me, it's almost like, well, if you're a filmmaker that wants to do something interesting, why not do an R-rated movie so that you can sort of have more freedom to tell a more interesting story, but also not have to worry about covering the $150 million nut that it takes to make the movie that would have been PG-13. So the I think the financial stuff has sort of destroyed a lot of the interesting things that come out in this era of blockbusters. Uh, especially since the 80s because that seems to be where everything kind of rolled up because we don't see these like small indie movies where theater or studios are going well yeah we'll make one for 20 million and see how it goes they don't do that anymore are the ratings no they come from france and they're boring (laughs) on fire (laughs) uh so you know but uh it just makes me think that kids these days don't really have to bother anymore like when i was a kid it was like you either had to stay up until 2 a.m to watch it on cinemax or you had to sneak into the theater right uh, right so you know what i mean you know you you asked last week you were like hey the you know what's we'll, we'll do a show on what's your first already movie and they're going oh god what was it and I'm, I'm supposed to say animal house or porkies but no those were ones yeah. that i just i looked at like the ads in the newspaper like ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh that looks like a movie with boobies in it and boobies, i didn't go see boobies, it. yeah but i think mine and eric's might have been the same eric you said well, Police Academy? Yeah, I was thinking Police Academy like in a theater, but then yeah, it sounded like we were talking about like ever. And I think the first R-rated film I saw was on cable was The Stuntman. Okay. Uh, wow. Which wow. didn't deserve to be an R rating. There were some boobies, but... Yeah, exactly. You know, it see, was I'm, just... I didn't see Police Academy in the theater, I don't think. I'm pretty sure I saw that on cable or on home video. Yeah. Well, that's um, the other thing with, with our age bracket is that we also sort of came of age during the VCR revolution. So by yeah. the time we're, you know, 13, 14, 
you're already starting to see video stores pop up. And so you can actually go rent them because not every video store back in those days was actually that concerned about who they were renting to. Or you get your older brother to go rent it or whatever. So so I was like, I was around 14 when I started just sort of actively watching as much as I could. It it didn't really matter what it was rated uh, because the video store had it. So in junior high, it was a whole thing of, you know, sneaking into the R rated movie. And yeah, Police Academy yeah. was my sneak into. I think 84 was a good year for it. Cause like 83, I snuck into spring break, but I don't remember anything about spring break to this day, uh, apart from just sort of the, the broad picture. But 84 was the summer that I snuck into revenge of the nerds. And that is more of a watershed. Like, Oh, this is what an R rated movie is. Cause it was a huge success. I don't know that I ever snuck into another movie. I don't know that I ever bothered to do that. I got, I got people to let me into R rated movies. Like I saw the untouchables. I wasn't 17 for that. (laughs) You were like 16 though. That doesn't count. I'm talking about like, like, like a little kid, like 12 years old being delinquent, you know, going fuck the system. Here's my money for this movie, but I'm going to go get into this one. I think, I think I just pretty much stuck to videotape for everything else. Oh, Um, you don't. Yeah. That you miss the illicit thrill. Ride my of bike down to the video store and rent stuff and take it home. Yeah. You know, I remember. I still remember sneaking in the spring break though, like buying my ticket for trench coat and just like feeling the butterflies because like this guy knows what I'm doing. He can totally tell I'm going to go watch spring break. I can just tell, and you just feel it's sort of like when you're uh, 17 trying to buy beer for the first time with a fake ID. It's that kind of vibe. <laughs> so it's just sort of this weird thrill of. Uh, somehow seeing a movie that's a total piece of shit, but it's got breasts and that's totally worth it when you're 12. You know what I mean? Huh. Or <laughs> you could know. rent it at the video store <laughs> yeah. and there's a pause button. Yeah. I'm just saying. Okay. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's not it's about, not, you know, whacking off. It's about getting away with it. I yeah, know. I it's, know. It's about subverting the system. But yeah, but nowadays with the, everybody's got, cable everybody's got the internet it just seems like kids are just missing that thrill and i'm 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 sad for them that's really what this is all boiling down to uh i don't think the ratings really mean anything anymore and it's just unfortunate (laughs) then i'm gonna step Uh, out of my soapbox now So if, if if you feel like the world is 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 just terrible and everything's gotten worse, uh, you're you're like us and and you can you're you right. can yes, percent. <laughs> you, you could listen yeah. to us say that in various forms for over 120 episodes that you can find on our website, yeah. which is maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E. Or you could subscribe to the podcast because there's all those episodes if you subscribe, or you know. And if you like it, you can share it with friends. Uh, and uh, if you like, you can hit us up on social media. We're at MagHuge. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page with the Magnificently Huge podcast. You can find us on Instagram, or you can email MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. And this is me attempting to end the show. I don't know if the other guys had anything else they wanted to say. So, uh, yeah, Write us and tell us which you prefer, an American Taliban or uh, all-out pornography. <laughs> or apparently it's one or the other yeah. or something in between we're up to anything really we don't care yeah sex in churches <laughs> I saw that movie I saw it, it was rated PG <laughs> <laughs> pretty good <laughs>